0: This Radio Days Africa audio amplified podcast is brought to you by the Wits Radio Academy. For more content and information, click to RadioDaysAfrica.co.za. Three, two, one. This is Radio Days Africa 2021 audio amplified. Download the Radio Days Africa app. Search Radio Days Africa in your app store.
1: Hello to you and welcome to Radio Days Africa 2021. My name is Nelly and I'm your moderator for this session. This is the 12th edition of Radio Days Africa and the second time that it's virtual. This conference simulates learning, engagement and conversation around radio and audio business in Africa. RDA is presented to you by the VITS Radio Academy under the Department of Journalism. And this year, Radio Days Africa hosts about 70 speakers in over 21 sessions. And you can download the Radio Days Africa app simply by searching for Radio Days Africa in the Play and App Store. All our sessions are podcasted and they're available to you on www.radiodaysafrica.co.za. Radio Days Africa has commissioned a bespoke podcast series. It's titled Podcasting the African Way. It's available from the IRDA website and the sponsors. Radio Days Africa is sponsored by the Conrad Adenauer Stiftung Media Program, Sub-Sahara Africa, who have been a long-term partner and sponsor. Without whom, Radio Days Africa would not be possible Radio Days Africa is also supported by the National Association of Broadcasters, Media Heads 360, Wise Buddha Jingles, the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria, RCS Sound Software, Iono FM, Samro, and Podnews.net. I'm glad you can join us wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us live. And remember, you can also listen to this even after it's, um, it's done on the website and, of course, download the app. And I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm here for this session, Beyond Fake News. The COVID-19 pandemic is taking fake news way beyond borders. It spread faster than the virus. And in some instances, the disinformation is fueled by um, the over-enthusiastic online world and sometimes by the goodwill of people around us who love us so much and want to keep us protected from the virus. And so disinformation spreads with all good and bad intentions. In this session, we look at the trends, the practices and solutions that can, keep us, that can keep credible news closer to us and also keep the audience aware of the news that they consume in these times. I'm joined by Mariana Springer, BBC's disinformation specialist. Her job keeps her fighting disinformation around elections, Brexit, COVID-19 on all social media platforms. Also joining us is Peter Mwai, a senior correspondent and fact checking journalist with the BBC reality check. He's joining us from Kenya and his fact checks and investigations cover misinformation in Eastern and Southern Africa on security, politics and COVID-19. Earlier on, I had a chat with Mariana about her job and what the future holds for the fight against disinformation. We'll share that with you first and then continue live with Peter. So, please go ahead and leave any questions you may have for our guest in the chat box. But for now, this is Mariana Springer.
2: Specialist disinformation and social media reporter, acting um, on the real world impact of, for the BBC. During the panic, and conspiracies being shared on so innocent messages claiming that tanks were on the streets or suggesting that you can hold your breath to test if you have COVID, not helpful, could put people in harm's way, but often sent by people who just want to help their friends and family. Those have soon spiralled into very sinister conspiracy theories, suggesting that vaccines are a way to microchip people, or to commit genocides to kill loads of people, there's no evidence to support those ideas, or the suggestion that the pandemic just isn't real, that it doesn't matter. I spent a lot of time speaking to the people who've been impacted by this stuff, and it's absolutely been a global phenomenon. We've seen how uh, the internet has no borders, and so disinformation will very quickly spread from one language to another, and from one country to another. Um, There are people who have had their relationships destroyed, people who have come to harm. There was one man in the USA who I interviewed who thought coronavirus wasn't that serious, that it wasn't real. Um, He was reading posts on Facebook suggesting falsely that COVID was linked to 5G technology. He and his wife didn't follow health guidance. They didn't seek help when they fell ill. And really, really sadly, they both ended up in hospital and his wife later died from complications related to COVID. Um, Other stories have involved violence inspired by disinformation and conspiracies. We've seen that happen in India, we've seen that happen in the US around the election. Um, So this very much is something that we're experiencing and seeing happen in people's day-to-day lives. Um, a number of stories have gone viral in Africa as well, particularly around anti-vaccine conspiracies and a number of researchers we work with at BBC Monitoring in our disinformation team at the BBC have investigated claims about Mark of the Beast or uh, use of Christian imagery in conspiracies that suggest vaccines could cause deliberate harm to people without the evidence to support them. And we see how these go really viral on uh, platforms like Facebook and Instagram but also in WhatsApp groups and those are especially hard for us to investigate because WhatsApp is closed, we can't access the groups and places where this stuff is spreading in the same way and we're really reliant on people from all over the world getting in touch with us so that we can investigate the stories that are being shared. Part of the work I do as well as covering um, the real world impacts the human cost of disinformation. It's also about social media literacy to speak to people about how they can spot conspiracies or falsehoods that are being shared on their social media media feeds and advice for people to talk to their friends and family who might be believing this stuff and might've been scared off a COVID jab by uh, falsehoods that are unhelpful and lead them to make a misinformed decision. And a lot of that advice is to firstly to question a post where does this come from interrogate the source is this someone you can trust uh, why or why not think about how something makes you feel a lot of disinformation exploits pre-existing uh, distrust fears and um, very legitimate concerns and questions that people might have uh, in a bid to push false narratives so really pause when you see something and think about the emotion that it evokes in you Um, and finally just to do that just to stop and think when you see anything don't compulsively share it don't just post it in your family group chat because you think it might be helpful Um, and I've really enjoyed that facet of my work as well because it's meant talking to people all over the world about how they can spot uh, fake news myths and everything else that's appearing in their social media feeds. I know I've heard you say, I've watched some of your interviews and I've
1: heard you say that it takes beyond fact checking and um, investigating this information to get people to actually, um, you know, be, de- be purged of all of the information they've already absorbed and believed. You said, I know you said at some point that it will take, it could probably take a campaign or something of that nature to do that. Have you ever thought about what this campaign could look like and if it will even be possible to do? And if you have can you share it?
2: One thing that we find again and again is that fact-checking alone doesn't always work because when people are presented with the evidence they don't believe where it's coming from, they question it and so there are are other ways to try and question those people that have fallen for these often very extreme conspiracies, ask them why this would be possible Why would anyone want to do this? What would you gain? Um, And really interrogate it that way. Some of the most insightful uh, advice on this that I've had was from interviewing a woman who used to believe this stuff. She she used to be really deep into anti-vaccine conspiracies. She also thought the earth was flat and a lot of other really extreme beliefs that she'd come across on social media sites like YouTube. For her, it was very much about questioning the people who were pushing this kind of stuff to her online and really beginning to understand that perhaps their intentions weren't as pure as she might have thought at the beginning. So really um, beginning to interrogate her source and to do her own research, uh, which is one of the favourite phrases used by people that often believe conspiracies. I think that in terms of broader policy points, one thing we see time and time again, are relatives, friends, family members who get in touch with me and say, my mom or my cousin or my uncle is really believing this stuff and I don't know what to do. And sometimes they are so deep into these very extreme worldviews, it does feel impossible. No amount of good or accurate information will make a difference. I think that responsibility lies with the social media sites, who I spend a lot of time. Um, trying to hold accountable down to a duty of care, which there's pressure on the social media sites to um, honour when it comes to their users all over the world. Um, There are also policy points and support programmes. A lot of people I speak to say that they would find it really helpful if they had resources they could access beyond the reporting I do, whether it's psychologists or experts in this field, who can give them advice about how they can talk to the person they care about and how they can really help them and support them in this what is not dissimilar to a, an almost de-radicalisation process um, and I think sometimes thinking about this in that way most people don't fall so deep into these conspiracies that they have these very extreme views but some people do and it's not very different to when we've seen radicalization happen on the far right, on other extremes, uh, religious radicalization. and so treating it in that way can be I think possibly quite a productive thing to do um, as well as The different places taking responsibility to protect people on their platforms from seeing this stuff in the first place. And some of it boils down to something that's quite deep and quite difficult to address, which often is that people very legitimately are distrustful of systems and governments and authorities that have... Uh, let them down very that they've experienced racism or they've grown up in poverty and they do not trust those systems understandably so because it leaves them very vulnerable to all of these conspiracies and I think as well when that issue is addressed and that's a very difficult one that will take many many years then perhaps people may be less vulnerable to this stuff in the future. How long do you think the damage that has been caused by disinformation and
1: misinformation in all things, whether with vaccines, that's health or politics, with the elections and, and everything else? How long do you think this damage will take to truly be done with the world? Because um, And is it discouraging when you think about it, that it could take years and decades and maybe an entire generation to truly fix this? Do you find it discouraging and do you imagine how long it could take to truly you know, get people back on track to trust to know how to trust information and filter information because it doesn't look like social media is going anywhere. So they could do all that work, but the damage is done. And how long do we have to survive it to wing it off the system?
2: I think that's the the most worrying part of my job that I don't see any ready-made solution or that it's going to get much better anytime soon. In some ways it feels a bit like a Pandora's box that is open and it's really hard to put all of this stuff Back in. Um, I think if if social media users were less exposed to this content, that would make a difference. But unfortunately, the drip, drip, drip of disinformation um, around the pandemic, also around elections, has absolutely seeped into the mentality of a lot of people. And this conspiratorial way of thinking. Um, is really pervasive and it means that people are left vulnerable to even more extreme ideologies that they might come across on social media, on telegram, on other messaging apps. I did a report recently which was all about what happens to the anti-lockdown movements that have sprung up all over the world when lockdowns end because to most of us you know it would make sense that when there are no more restrictions you don't need to protest on the streets anymore. Everything is hopefully sort of a bit more back to normal but in interviewing people who attend these rallies it became very clear to me that this is about much more than COVID-19. This was a deep belief that there is a very nefarious sinister plot that is happening which are worlds apart from political criticisms or other legitimate worries and concerns that people might have and when you see it like that that actually this is about more than the pandemic this is very much a conspiracy world view it makes you very worried for other acts of violence like we saw at Capitol Hill that could happen all over The world. It makes you very worried for um, the approach to public health and other issues, which are obviously really high up the agenda in the years to come. And those mentalities don't go away very easily. There was a woman whose son I interviewed, and he was really worried because his mum has grown a huge following on social media by promoting myths about the pandemic. She was formerly a, a qualified nurse here in the UK. And it really stuck with me what he said, which was this pandemic will end and. Well, hopefully it will end and everyone's lives will start to go back to normal. But the, the drama in my family rages on. And for mum, it will be something else. Looking forward, we worry that a lot of the Covid conspiracy movements are turning their attention to climate change disinformation. And the idea that climate change is a hoax uh, is part of a plan to restrict personal liberties. A lot of these um, conspiracy movements have also been co-opted by extreme groups, far right groups and groups on the far left as well. And here in the UK, we've seen a radicalisation to violence happening more and more where people are angry. They are chasing after journalists and politicians. They're expressing that violence offline. So I'm really worried both for the people that are deep into these conspiracy movements and for the others that could be drawn into them in future if they're not better protected from them. Just recently, I, I finished some work around
1: disinformation from religious leaders around COVID-19 vaccine here in Nigeria. And you were right, things about Mark of the Beast and all of that. And it's foundational. So all of these, you find that most of these claims and campaigns are actually quite, um, they connect with the audience because they can be foundational. So they find the root of your biases or the roots of your beliefs, and then they spring from there. So it it really is deep rooted, and truly, as you said, life will go on. But these conspiracy uh, theories and the theorists who believe them would need an outlet for, for what they feel. Now, I guess in the end, um, you cannot say knowing more about the news or being some way um, intelligent around information that you receive would help this, you know, because it's all rooted in bias. So I guess the question I'm asking now is. Do you think that other than targeting particular people and particular regions or or colonies of human beings, these, you know, campaigns, does it also um, just target the entire structure of communities, you know, and I know this This answer could both be from your experience of watching how the networks move and flow. Does it sometimes, just for the sheer pleasure of it or whatever the reason is, target the core communities that we exist in? And when that community is broken down, a new one has to rise, which is total chaos.
2: You're completely right that uh, in many ways, these conspiracy movements have become in themselves social structures, and they're often used to fill a void where... There is a lack of community. We see quite a lot um, across the world, communities that perhaps used to have a town hall or a square where they'd gather and talk to everyone and now reliant on their WhatsApp groups or their local Facebook groups. And that absence of community, I think particularly during the pandemic where a lot of people have been more isolated than ever before, has meant that these conspiracy movements have been able to fill a social gap as well. We've seen recently Telegram channels pop up, which are for... Um, entire communities for people who are unvaccinated to date one another or to live with one another because they don't want to live with someone who's had the vaccine. This has very much become about identity uh, and about social identity as much as it is about the beliefs themselves. One thing I found from investigating the tactics of these uh, conspiracy activists is also how effectively, as you point out, they deliberately exploit Um, the the Achilles heels of certain communities and seek to target communities where they think that they can can best capitalise on that distrust. We've seen a lot of um, Black and South Asian communities here in the UK targeted again and again with anti-vaccine content that tells them that the vaccine contains meat, for example, or exploits a very deep distrust in the system here in the UK because they have legitimately experienced health inequality and racism. That means that they are they are naturally feeling perhaps a little bit more apprehensive about having that vaccine than other communities might we've also seen how younger women have been targeted with conspiracies about fertility or the idea that the vaccine will somehow make you infertile again deliberately trying to target communities that spend a lot of time on instagram or other places who might be vulnerable to the tailored disinformation and we've seen that in religious communities as well um, happening all over the world how this disinformation is tailored and targeted and that is what makes it most effective and it is also really worrying because broad most of people here in the UK or in Nigeria or all over the world will not be vulnerable to this stuff and they will not believe these conspiracies but unfortunately there are smaller communities and groups that will be more vulnerable to this stuff because it's designed for them to want to believe it or to be predisposed to believe it and it leaves them very vulnerable and I think if people can understand more about these tactics and how they deliberately target communities that it's almost easier to protect yourself and to spot what's happening and how you might be being exploited or someone you care about might be being exploited and in in some ways that is a bit of a shield I hope
0: Um, but
2: it's a real worry and um, I think absence of community is the perfect recipe absence of community combined with deep distrust or very legitimate concerns is the perfect recipe for a lot of these conspiracies to really really spread I agree with you, and I, I, I like the mathematics right there, the little arithmetic, you
1: know the absence of community, and actually quite sincere concerns they have for unanswered questions you know, and then a lack of you know um, trust all of that together is just perfect for these to for this information to continue to thrive, but I guess um, like every communication and, and uh, propaganda battle that has been fought for years in the world. It's slow, it's steady, but it will take time, you know, probably take a generation. And then everything adjusts again and we get ready for who knows when the next one will be. But thank you for your work, Mariana. And um, it's a very interesting work. It's very exhausting and frightening too. I hope you've been safe and staying safe as well. So thank you for joining us in Radio Days Africa. And we hope someday we'll talk to you again.
2: Thank you so much, Nelly. I really
1: appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you so much for Mariana for joining us and for you for standing by. I know we already have a question on the chat box. But before we start that, let's welcome Peter back in. Hello, Peter. Hello, Nelly. Hi. So I have some of these questions down for you already, but there's an interesting one in the chat. And I find myself, um, you know, leaning towards that. But I think what I'll do instead is ask you something from what Mariana just said. She said, um, so she she laid down the simple math for us, saying the absence of community is one of the reasons fake news spreads. Do you think there's an absence of community in Africa? Because we like to pride ourselves that we are very communal people. We still know who our grandparents are and our great grandparents are, and we know our villages is something we're proud of. However, there are online communities now where fake news spreads. My curiosity is this, if we were in our village, for instance, and someone started a rumor and um, there's no one to check that rumor to know if the rumor is true or false, and so the rumor spreads, right? And it yes. continues. If the rumor was about Nellie's family being vampires or something, right? It's more yes. likely there's no one to check that rumor. People will come to my home with sticks and stones, you know, to have my family wiped out the surface of the earth. The same Definitely. attitude, I think, follows online. So I go back to that question. Is there an yes. absence of, of community or are rumors just fueled by small communities anyway?
0: Um, maybe the easiest way to look at it is, uh, is the fact that uh, it's, um, you cannot really call it the lack of, uh, okay, the absence of communities. The communities are there, but um, more and more, we are having communities that are, that are sort of uh, specialized. You, you come together because of a uh, particular interest and the same happens, uh, for example, be it um, a WhatsApp group or um, a Facebook group where you'll be pulled together by, by interests and, and what happens is uh, when you have people who, who have um, the, uh, maybe the same set of beliefs or maybe the same the same qualities, um, it's it's a bit hard for for someone to call out the other because maybe they are, they, are, they are the same level. Let's assume, for example, if it's if it's to do with um, internet literacy or or, or health literacy, they, they will be at the same level. Uh, but what uh, maybe the the difference we can we can make with the, with the previous societies? is that um, the communities then uh, would, be, would not be homogeneous, they would be heterogeneous. So like, there'll be someone uh, standing and saying, no, that's, that's not true because I, I have seen this elsewhere. But then now this, this uh, existence of homogeneous um, groups of people uh, with uh, similar interests, maybe that could, that could be where the issue is coming from.
1: Okay, now we'll take this question first. Let me just click on it, and then I'll continue with you know my questions. All right. So this is from Metro from Garden Root in Western Cape and says, how do we go about eradicating the dangers of sensationalist media and fake news in a quest to reinforce uh, responsible or reputable media? So basically, how does reputable media, you know, get rid of sensationalist media? Will that ever happen? Yes. I think we'll live with sensationalist media for forever. But
0: go ahead. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a battle. Uh, we can we cannot say that uh, that that we can we can do away with that uh, completely because we know even when uh, before the internet era we we still had that uh, sensational uh, journalism. But then what? Um, what can happen is now is now uh, that there are some things that can be done to reduce the impact. And part of that would be um, would be. Although not everyone would be in support of that, uh, regulations where there could be there should be regulations um, governing how how um, journalism, gen- journalists journalists and, uh, and 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 professionals are, are operating uh, both offline and and online. The second one would be um, would be like what social media companies have, have been trying to do. Although they do receive a lot of flack because people uh, see see that as, uh, as trying to regulate uh, the space that is there because what happens is uh once the, the sensationalism yeah uh once that sensationalism gets to a particular level where it's causing harm then uh these social media companies can come in and uh and 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 maybe pull down content or, or maybe issue warnings to to the people behind that mm-hmm. uh, but i think the key the, the most important thing would be um if it's it's people who are engaged in uh in journalism the way we know it be it citizen journalists or just uh, uh, mainstream journalists training would help training would help would help uh, so that everyone knows what is expected uh, of them uh, and, and and what kind of behavior they, that is expected and the, the standards the and the guidelines uh, like the threshold that they, that they should uh, should have before maybe posting something uh, so that, that that would would make people um, the practitioners aware before they publish content uh, and, and also on the impact. But then the other, the other, the other thing that can also happen is uh, offering training or uh, um, offering skills to media consumers where I think that's, that's what uh, from the, from Mariana's conversation, uh, the, the campaigns where the government and other stakeholders can come in and, uh, and sort of enhance uh, media literacy and internet literacy among the public. So that when someone is consuming information, I know, I normally see people who, for example, I will just quote for you that uh, I saw this on Facebook. So they believe that um, just because something is existing on Facebook, it should be truthful. Uh, they don't know that uh, everyone has, has the leeway to post anything they can on, on, on Facebook. So they sort of treat this uh, social media space as if it's uh, it's, um, it's an established media house that, that is, is, is shelling out information. So um, media literacy would, would help. Uh, because we we always talk about for example how um how people could go about like checking information before before sharing, but then if if you don't if the people don't know that uh that what they are encountering uh could be uh, could be false or could be harmful, uh, they will not go to that that step of of trying to check whether it's true or or not yes
1: you know um i've I've had what shouldn't have been an argument but turned out to be an argument on air on radio when um a listener called in and said. I I I I conducted a research on this issue and I said where did you search he said facebook i did my research on facebook and i'm trying to point out you you cannot facebook is not is not an authority on anything um but it also goes it, it's also similar to people who um want to be experts on radio when they call in and then they assume the position of experts but the difference is there's a moderator there's the radio host or the person you know who is um the mediator between you know the audience listening and of course this so called expert on radio so i guess perhaps what's missing is this interference you know between on, on social media between um, the audience the people who are receiving this news and the fake news itself and that's what fact checkers are doing they're trying to interfere and replace you know be in the middle but sometimes it's too late because you're now debunking something that's already festered um, so yes. I want to talk to you about pre and then I have something else I would never forget this because she said let's train journalists and train citizens journalists as well. I thought yes. that was the difference here that one person had training and the other didn't, but we'll get there in a moment. So, yes, you know, uh, pre bunking the idea that you anticipate the fake news, you anticipate what's going to spread, you anticipate the bias and then you debunk it before it's actually taking root. You've worked yes. in Africa for so long. You're a fact checker here. You've been fighting disinformation here. Is that a, is that is that something you think we can all adopt? And you think it will be successful here?
0: Uh, what normally happens is uh, you can um, you, you can do that, but uh, they um, okay. For example, I- internally there's uh, there's always that that question of um, by me debunking this and, and publicising it, am I uh, adding more credence to? To the, to the fake information, to the false information, or um, has it gotten to a threshold where I, I, I can come in and, and, and warn people that look, this, this this is not correct. Because for example, if, if uh, someone was to post something and then it only has maybe about 10, 10 shares or, or 20 shares, whereas uh, you're a media house and you're have you, you are reaching a, a millions of people, uh, by you working on a debunk on, on something that has only been shared by, by, by 10 people, and maybe this thing did not have a potential to spread, uh you will in a way have have assisted that person get the publicity that uh inadvertently uh, you'd have contributed to that so um maybe what what you can do is um the 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 pre-day bank can can, can come in um internally where you are aware of something you have flagged it and then you you monitor whether uh, and, and then you you check whether it has this potential of becoming viral um and then now you you make the decision yourself but then um when you get to like picking up everything that is that is cropping up uh, there's that, that is the, that's that I was talking about here yeah.
1: so let's talk about that citizens um, journalism journalist training thing you just suggested i'm thinking the yes. difference between a citizens journalist and you and i is the training so to what yes. degree do you gather a person who sees something on his um whatsapp thread or his twitter feed and decides hey and, or, or walks on the road. Who knows? You know, and, and sees the news and decides to share it. To what extent um, of training, or just educate
0: me here? What kind
1: of training is necessary for a citizen journalist?
0: Um, when when I'm talking about citizen journalists, um, there is uh, this what is taken to be citizen journalism, uh, which uh, is not is not really journalism, where someone just sees something and then they post. But then there are people who who are who are in this in this in this job of uh, of like walking around and and finding finding items that are newsworthy and and posting where at that point you you sort of uh, stop from being uh, a normal internet user or social media user to and lean towards uh, blogging where where you're sort of uh, updating your your followers on on what's what's going on and at that point that's when uh, I feel that there needs to be training. Because this person uh, has already started operating like uh, like a media house. It's a blog, but you um this you no longer you're no longer like a normal a normal internet user who is just interested in in um in following up what's going on around you. All right.
1: Okay. If you're just um, joining the link, this is Radio Days Africa, of course, and we're talking about fake news. I'm Nelly and Peter is joining from Kenya. I'm here in Lagos, Nigeria, and we're talking, we're trying to see beyond fake news, actually. Um, we're talking about fake news and how far it's spreading, but I'm hoping in our conversation we can see a little bit past it. And that's why I was very excited when I saw, um, when I trolled you on Twitter and saw your um, your repost on the BBC story about how far um, you know what's what's happening now in Tanzania after you know Mugabe's um, death. I mean, t- let's take a look at what's happening. He believed in um, herbal remedies. He believed in prayers and all of those you know, to deal with COVID-19, but he's also a very influential person. He's left lots of believers behind who are still probably believing something that is truly not a cure as yet, at least for COVID-19. We don't know tomorrow if you could pray it away, but we know for sure today that you can't. So um, tell me a little bit about that whats What happens after the major influencer of, of disinformation or misinformation is gone, but the seed has been sown tell me about that
0: yes uh, I, I would say that is uh, that is the, the the harmful effect of, of, of um, what what goes on innocently and it's not it's not in Tanzania only because when when you look at uh, at the continent itself, we also have a lot of uh, um, religious leaders who who are spreading these uh, these conspiracy theories, and um, this makes it makes it very hard for 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 health authorities and uh, and, and and for for people who are trying to help for for them to be successful Um, for Tanzania specifically, uh, when you look at it, it was not, um, there was, there was the the president Magufuli, but then there were people below him. Uh, There was, there was, there were religious leaders. And uh, there were also politicians who had bought into, into that. So uh, part of the reason why things have not changed that much uh, is because you, you still have people who um, some people who are left, who, who are still there and they are still, they still believe in some of these things. So uh, it's, it's a dilemma that is, that is there.
1: And that's the spiral of fake news. You know, we just, it just keeps taking root and it doesn't matter if yes. the person who started the spread has suddenly changed his mind or her mind. People believe it based on their bias. So for that reason, I wanna ask this, how do you fix the bias? You know, fake news breeds on bias. But how do you fix it? Do we unbiased the audience first, or do we let the investigation do the work? What do you
0: think? Uh, it's it's more of uh, you. Uh, it's it's letting the investigation do do, do its work. Um, you don't because, for example, um, if if um, if a particular belief uh, or conspiracy is being driven by 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 religion, for example. You cannot go targeting religion. You'll target uh, the misinformation itself, uh, the claim, and 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 try to try and uh, and and debunk it, uh, and leave it at that. Because when when you when you when you cross the border, uh, then um, okay, you you get into 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 a world where you'll not uh, okay, like it, it will be a confusion. You'll, you'll not win that that battle, uh, mm-hmm. because this this is uh, this is something that is that that people have have decided to believe in. Uh, but then for for this um. This a specific item, and where because this this where 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 fact checking and debunk debunking becomes um, becomes complicated. In that, for you to to say something is is, is not true or there is no evidence, like you need you need to have evidence. evidence yeah. So you cannot you cannot go uh, disproving something just because you think that it's it's not true, but without evidence, you need you need the evidence and you need to to explain why why you are saying that something is not. is is not true or or something is wrong. We
1: have another question, Peter, and I'm just going to read it out to you, okay? Now, um, it says, what can be done, what can be done when certain fake or false information information goes viral? That even if you do your best as a journalist, to debunk it, the damage would have been done. When, uh, where does the journalist stand in this scenario? So basically, where do you stand when the damage has been done after debunking?
0: Yes, um, at that point, it's 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 tricky. Uh, but uh, I would say you there's only a, there's all only as much as you can do. You can you can only debunk and and, and publicize your, your your fact check. But um, there's no way that you can go you you can go uh, maybe for example go. Remedying a situation if, if something has already happened. Um, I know the challenge that that we have been facing as fact checkers is is that uh, um, okay. I think the, I know there's there's that saying that uh, okay a lie travels I don't know how many times around the world. I think yeah. this uh, th- this misinformation travels uh, will travel many 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 times faster than your than your fact check,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it will not uh, a mis um a piece of misinformation might go viral, but then you are your fact check will not go viral. Um and I think that's where at, at that point, that's where uh these other players come in. For example, um social media companies and and um and, and governments where maybe if if something has gone way beyond um what is acceptable and it's causing uh actual harm, then the social media companies uh, come in and pull down the content.
1: You know, I've been in a conversation where that it was about how to make fact checks and digital investigations as interesting as the claims themselves, because that's one of the reasons it doesn't go viral. I mean, this is a fact, this is what it is. And I'm telling you that I can't sensationalize yes. it because then I, I could run the risk of lying about it to make you interested in it. No, but if it's a lie, I can spin all the webs that I want. I could, you know, I could spin anything I want and just make it more interesting for you to to digest, but not the fact. But at the core, I think, especially for radio broadcasters, I think in the end journalism is storytelling, and we should be able to master that, no matter what the conversation we're having is. Um, so when I had to work on a on a podcast around COVID nineteen, I chose to I, I chose a podcast as the format because I thought storytelling makes it a lot easier to swallow. You know, it's like medicine mm-hmm. and a spoonful of honey or sugar or something. So I want to ask if. You think that storytelling or wrapping the facts around, you know, storytelling, making it a lot more interesting to listen to. Do you think it dilutes the facts?
0: Um, not not really, as long as you don't you don't go overboard. Um, for
1: what's what's overboard?
0: For you for your content to be to be to be consumed well. Um, yeah, overboard is, is what you you're talking about. For example, um, like adding adding some other like okay um. Like adding some other modif- uh, some other in- information just to make it uh, sensational, as in uh, just um, and f- and for example, when y- when you're doing that, you th- there's also this other element of of uh, of what we call clickbaiting if it's online. Yes. Like you 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 can there are people who who will put very um, very captivating headlines to their. To, to, to their to the to their piece, but then when you click on it, you find that it's 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 a totally different story or it's a it's a totally different narrative. Uh, when you when you try to do that, then you'll be um, you'll be going. I would say you would be going overboard. You still need to stick to the to the to the code uh, code and conduct of uh, of journalism. You need to be ethical. Uh, and but but then what you are talking about about um, improving our storytelling, this one doesn't only need to doesn't apply to, to fact check. Fact checks alone. It also applies to all these other kind of uh, kind of content that we that we produce. But within within fact checking, uh, what I would say is uh, uh, media houses and and other bodies involved need to invest more in in that, where you have you have resources uh, allocated to to fact checking, where if it's if it's your your fact checking journalist the journalist who is working on on, on something. They have uh, ample time and they have they have ample support and then when when for example you you work on uh, you work on a, on a fact checking piece um, it's uh, like you have support from from social media teams it's it's well promoted and, and it's and it's well amplified um, instead of just because for example you can you can uh, work on an, on, a, on a very a very interesting piece but then uh, it doesn't get any 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 promotion on your on your on your media houses uh, social media platforms which means that it it doesn't have any, any possibility of traveling. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then that also means, of course, nobody's seeing it, nobody's reading it, and it's not doing the job anyway. So yes. do, you imagine, do you imagine a time when you wouldn't need to fact check anything? Do you think there'll ever be that time now um, I want you to think I want you to take your mind as far and wide as you possibly can maybe not in our lifetime okay but yes. you think this if you lived in an era where you never had to do actual fact checking because my next question is going to be about your frustrations with the job which exists yes. yeah. yeah so um can you imagine one and what do you think your role would be in such a world
0: uh, okay it's it's it so hard to, to to imagine i think where yeah where our world has has, has gotten to, um, it's very hard to imagine that um, to imagine a world where misinformation is no longer a problem. Because as long as human beings are there, and as long as the internet is there, and as long as there's social media, people will still be be sharing misinformation. So um, within that, it's uh, it's it's very hard to to imagine like what what could be happening. But then um, I would say that what has happened with the, with fact checking is um, it's not that it was not there before it was there, but then it was it was embedded in, in, in other departments within, within media houses, for example, people who are doing um, investigative work they were doing some elements of, of fact checking people who even when, when, you're, when you're working on a story and you go out and you gather, you gather information uh, before you decide on what to publish you you verify the information um, and that was some element of, of, of fact checking so yeah. uh, to answer you. Um, even if um, in a way misinformation as we know it now ceases to exist, um, that the work of checking facts uh, would still exist within media houses, if media houses So the still. fact
1: the fact checker will never be out of a the job, then that's that's simply what it is. The fact checker yes, will keep yeah, working. Now, yeah. that, That's good news. <laughs> it's so much yes. better news than I heard yesterday. Okay now, um Marianna said something about climate change. She said most of the people who, most of the conspiracy theories that have fueled COVID-19 and that have also, um, you know, fueled Brexit and US elections and all of that have directed their energy towards climate change. And she believes it's going to get worse. There'll be more conspiracy theories. While she was speaking, I thought about Africa and you can see what we're suffering with droughts, the Lake Chad basin receding every time. Um, There's barely food. People are hungry and you yes. see that people are more likely to believe climate change from the seasons are not the way we grew up anymore. I mean, you could tell how long the season would be and how heavy it would be it's changed now. You know, so do you think every conspiracy theory that exists can travel? I mean, COVID-19 made it look like conspiracy theories were boundless and borderless. But do you yes. think every conspiracy theory can has the potential to travel from society to society?
0: Uh, it it normally depends on uh, because we normally talk about talk about what is uh, what normally drives these conspiracy theories. Um, the people who who are in it for because they want to to make money or because they want to to to, to have influence on over, over people. Uh, so I would not say that every conspiracy theory has potential to to spread everywhere. Uh, mainly because it will depend on on what the the conspiracy theory itself um, is about uh and, and what is what is the, the agenda behind that. But when you come to something like climate change, like what what you are talking about, um, because it's something that is uh that is at the heart and affects uh most people, it's very easy for these uh for these theories to to take root uh in everywhere on the world if it's about climate change. So it's that.
1: very likely to spread and um, because it, it yes. might not be the same issue that spreads you know it might not be the same exact theory that spreads sometimes it's not the it's sometimes it's the premise of the theory that spreads actually
0: yes or, or, the, yeah. or the the theory itself with with some modifications i saw that yes, with, uh, with, with, with uh with covid uh with covid 19 where for example something would uh originate from a particular um a separate part of a different part of the world and then by the time it's getting to another to the other corner of the of the world, um, it has gone through some modifications. I do For example, there was one there was one where um, where you find like people just lift uh, people lift um, some some fake news from uh, from a particular language, quickly go through through Google Translate, and then uh, it's it's localized and then it, it it spreads. Yeah, that that does happen.
1: Yeah, that does happen. And also something else that happens as also being discussed is the idea that half of these conspiracy theories do not actually originate from Africa. They they come into Africa and then they take root. Now, I believe that the reason this is possible is because we already have these innate biases that allow it to happen. You know, I mean, you said, yeah, you said earlier that you stay away from, for instance, there is a religious um, theory. You stay away from the religion itself. You just fact check the idea of it, you know, the major claim itself. The claim, and I think that's yes. also what any fact-checker you know, is, is trained to do. They'll say find out the claim, bring it out, debunk that claim and just let the rest you know, disappear with time. I guess what I want to ask is if, is if you believe it, that some of these claims, and I know this is a personal question and journalists don't like to share personal views, but this is a conversation <laughs> beyond <laughs> yes, fake news. So do you believe it that majority of these claims, these conspiracy theories, especially for COVID-19, come from outside of Africa and take root here.
0: There are some there's some that uh, that 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 come from outside. For example, the the like the 5G conspiracy. Um, mm-hmm. that one definitely originated from outside the continent and, and then came and and took root. Uh and then there was the other one on um, but this one was this one was building on on already existing uh, conspiracy theories about that there's a group of people who somewhere who are who want to set to to create a new a new world order and and so this is this is part of part of all this uh but then there's some some uh, and then the other one connected to that is 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 uh, the conspiracies about about bill gates and and the rest but then a theory like um like depopulating africa that one uh to, in a in a way it comes from outside, but then it's also you, you, there are some elements that come from from inside, from within the continent. That uh, it's more it's more of in uh, within the continent than 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 from than the elements that we got we get from outside. When you compare that to to like, uh, the areas like the five G and and uh, and the other thing.
1: So I know I asked earlier about um, you know trying to unbias the audience, but I want yes. I want to take a moment now and critique the. The advice we always give the the for now the instructions we would say we would share to try to limit the spread of fake news pause before you share it ask yourself a question before you share especially on whatsapp when it's been forwarded several times it's most likely you know to be false before you share to your loved ones ask yourself why do i believe this or the reason i want us to critique those steps even though we will still keep talking about them. This is not to say that those steps aren't credible or helpful. It's just to look at the to, to look at our humanity and how human beings process information and see if we should keep modifying these advices as we go. Because is it really feasible that billions of people in the world would pause, take a look at information, wonder about it, question their biases? before they share this information in today's fast paced social media world is that is that really truly feasible
0: um i would say it's it's feasible in a way uh, although what um what what everyone is trying to do is is to like okay we know the all has okay basically the world is moving things are moving so fast so we just uh we're just trying to like to tell people to to slow down a bit like don't don't be, be in a hurry to to, to share information, and I think um, it's the same the same thing with uh, with with posting on on, on social media, uh, where we normally tell people like don't don't post something in case you, if you if you're not sure about. The same thing with uh, with uh, because we had talked about communities uh, in the villages, uh, a rumor that you have not substantiated, you don't go spreading it in the in the in the whole village that oh I, I had so and so had has, has done this has done this as you would want to uh, to hear it from. Um, from two or three people to to, or to, velifer, to some, see verify yourself people do. Some before people before you spread sharing it yeah but then but then you you, you become the rumor monger and that's why we have this, <laughs> we, we have this uh, this type of rumor mongers in the villages because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they are few so um what should happen is we should not uh become this we should not become um the rumor mongers on on whatsapp or on, on on telegram or on whatever social media platform we are, we are operating we should still um, retain those um those qualities of, uh, of, of 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 a normal village, yeah? and um <laughs> make sure that we verify what we are sharing before we before we share it's more um it, it's a battle because like i was saying that um social media has taught us to be to, like to to move up, uh to, to move on too so quickly so uh we we sort of get that urge to uh to share this and then there's there's sort of some some excitement that you have found this wonderful information and you want to to share it with your friends but then, um, as Mariana was saying, that some of this content, you can always tell because the moment something excites you um, or generates generates a particular emotion, uh, there's more chance, there's more likelihood that 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 there's something um, something wrong with it, um, as, of, as opposed to 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 something that doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't have any emotions, doesn't generate any, any emotions in you, yeah.
1: Maybe social media just brings out the inner rumor monger in all of us because now there's no one to shame you, so you you might as well. Um, I need to know, Peter, share with us your frustrations as a fact checker, as someone who is constantly fighting disinformation every day. It's your job. You wake up with some of them are just so impossible to look at. You know, some of them are so unhealthy for your mind. And I know this, you know, so um, how do you deal with it?
0: First, what are your frustrations? And then how do you deal with it? Yes, um, the frustrations are, are many. Uh, one is, uh, okay, there's, 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 of course, the, the, the first one, uh, where, for example, you, you know you have debunked, debunked something, but then you find that it's still circulating. So, um, okay, like you wonder, okay, my work was my work in, in vain? Yeah, there is that. And then there's this other element of, um, although we normally talk about uh, fact-checking, it's not everything that is um that you're able to to check or to prove that it's not it's not true or 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 where it comes from. Um and that is that's also part of the frustration that we that we that we go through. Uh for example, uh it might happen that maybe um and sometimes you'll have this 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 um you'll have some clues that this thing is is not what it it's being purported to be. But then you cannot prove, like for example, if it's if it's a video, you cannot prove where. You can't really tell where it's coming from, no matter how much, how hard you try. Uh, so that's that's one, one one problem. Um, but for that, because you're you're talking about like how we deal with it, is um, we for that I normally, um, I normally don't really count how many how many items have have failed to debunk. I I delight the satisfaction from the satisfaction from what I have I have debunked. Um And then the other one that you are talking about is. Um, is where sometimes you deal with uh, very uh, very uncomfortable uh, content. Maybe the videos or, the, or 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 images that are very graphic, or all very um, very disgusting. Uh, for that, it's more of um, it's more through um, through counseling. You you can you, you you can check you can you can um, uh, go through go through counseling. But then on top of that, is is uh, not being too too much attached to to what you are what you what you are going through. Uh, even now and then, because when, if, you, if you immerse yourself so much into it, then it will have an impact on you. And then, uh, although this one also applies to to everyone who is on, on social media, um, taking breaks also helps. Um, if you spend, maybe, uh, if it's a weekend, if you, are, if you are off work or if you um, you have been so busy, taking some time off, off social media, maybe even if it's a day, uh, you come back refreshed.
1: Yeah, I agree. Take a step back sometimes. I mean, you don't need every information now, do you? Thank you so much, Peter. It's been it's been wonderful talking to you. Um, I've I've had a really good time and I hope everyone who's watching, who's joined us and who watched this even much later, you know, would also have had a really good time. Um, Is there anything you'd like us to know before you go? Any information you'd like to share with us? Maybe something you're working on,
0: personally? Oh, okay in in terms of uh working on i think um everyone has been seeing what 's going on in, in in south africa so um and I think the same thing being i, I normally uh prefer ending my my conversations with uh, when you see content that uh that looks too good to be true uh most likely it 's not true so um even for south africa there's there's there's, um, there's a lot of content that is circulating that is um that is that's true that is from the current events, but then there's also some um some people who are taking advantage and spreading content that is not uh, related to that. So um, even when you're consuming content from 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 the uh, from South Africa or wherever, even if it's your country, um, take a step back. Uh, like as as I think it, yeah, as Mariana was, was saying, uh, check who is who's sharing this information. Um, is he someone who is credible? Uh, can I find this information elsewhere? Also check what media houses are, are publishing. Because for example, if it's something that's so big. Um, that uh, that would excite your emotions and uh, that would be newsworthy. Uh, you would expect that media houses have already have have picked that up. So there, there could be information that you get from from uh, from media houses, and then uh, also check what uh, fact checking organizations have posted, because some of this, some yeah. of that, that content, some of them have already some of some of the content has already been debunked. So um, and you would it would it would also appear foolish for you uh, like sharing something. Uh, believing that it's true whereas someone someone else has already said that it's not true so uh, make use of that and then when you get to the fact checking uh, organizations websites um also if you have time they normally some most of them normally have uh, tutorials and some some skills on how to to do yeah. uh basic basic uh, verification of content so uh, make use of that and it will be helpful
1: absolutely thank you so much um thank you. I guess that's it. That's where we wrap up. Uh, Radio Days Africa is still going on until the 16th. It's about two more days and at least two sessions a day. So you can join them. Go on the website, www.radiodaysafrica.co.za.
0: That was a Radio Days Africa audio amplified podcast brought to you by the Wits Radio Academy. For more information and podcasts, click to radiodaysafrica.co.za.